Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode 21 of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got director Paul Briganti on the show. We're going to talk to him about creating and directing two television shows that he has on the air, Adam Ruins Everything and The Middle of the Night Show for MTV. It's a really great episode. He's got a lot of interesting insights on what it takes to make two television shows simultaneously. Yeah, I'm super pumped to talk to him about how he juggles all of it. And they're two really different shows. So it's, I think it'll be really interesting to get his perspective. But first, Oren, what have you been working on lately? Well, if you guys listened to the commercial episode, I talked a lot about that. And somehow, luckily, I got more commercials. So I'm Finishing the Quiznos commercials and prepping these Time Warner cable commercials. And are these uh, more broadcast spots? They are not broadcast spots, but, and it's a big but, they feel like broadcast spots because they're a 30-second and two 15-second spots. Oh, great. They're basically like YouTube pre-roll spots. But what's nice is like when you're trying to get more commercial work, you want to show people 30-second spots. And usually when you get hired to do like web-branded content, it's like three minutes and it's really hard to use that for your commercial reel, but this, these will be great. And it's a fun concept and a fun client, new client. And so I think it'll be fun. But one of the interesting things about it is the people that have hired us to do it usually do unscripted celebrity stuff. And this mm-hmm. is like one of the first scripted things they're doing. And so just their entire system for how to work with people is different. With celebrities, it's like you might get them tomorrow for half an hour. So start putting together the whole crew. And, you know, with scripted stuff, it's like, okay, we're going to shoot three weeks from now. We're going to go on a location scout. We're going to do a casting um, call. We're gonna, It's just so much more organized. And so we're kind of meeting somewhere in the middle where, like, today they were like, um, we're not sure if we're going to have the scripts in time, so maybe cancel your casting for tomorrow. And we're like, well, we already have, like, 50 actors scheduled with their agents. Like, how are we going to cancel that? You can't just change those things. So it's it's interesting. And then the other thing is just finishing those Quiznos spots. Which should be airing relatively soon, right? Like a couple days from now? Yeah, they were supposed to. But, you know, the spots are about kind of these new sandwiches that Quiznos is making. And unfortunately, even though we did our job on time and hit the deadline, uh. the stores that are supposed to serve these new sandwiches are missing it by a week. So it's been postponed by one week so that they can make sure that the sandwiches we're advertising are actually available at the store. Those sandwiches must be like a couple weeks old by now. Gross. Oh, they're real old. (laughs) No, yeah, they're actually, they look pretty good. Oh, interesting, when we did the color correction yesterday on the chicken pesto sandwich, like a little bit of pesto, when they filmed it, got smeared onto the chicken, and everyone was in a fit about how the chicken looked a little green and you can't show a green chicken on the air. And so we spent like an hour just with like power windows, which is like where you, you know, draw kind of circles around a certain part of the image and try to remove the green from it. And it's funny because it's not green chicken. It's just like some pesto. I don't know. It's just the, the, the details in advertising are just so interesting to me and how much time we'll spend on it. And our colorist is a guy that didn't like Taco Bell stuff. And he said that one of the interesting things with Taco Bell is like you have to make the sausage, the bacon, and like the ham all look different. And they do a separate color pass for each one to make it look ideal but not the same as each other. So anyway, it's all fun detail stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about more on the podcast. But I am dying to know, Matt, (laughs) what have you been up to lately? Yeah, well, uh, with a freelance filmmaking lifestyle, you go through cycles, right? So you're really, really, really insanely busy, and then you're less busy. And the trick is to kind of keep yourself active and creating new things and developing and all of that stuff. So this week was really all about development for me, but I think I also, because I really have basically put every single finishing touch on shitty boyfriends except for a couple things here and there, This is like the kind of the low point for me, you know, and I think it's interesting to deal with. You have to remind yourself of like the things that you need to be doing to create more work and more fun for yourself. And I think it's easy to, you know, just waste those days checking email and Twitter and things like that and not really being creative. And we always talk about how when you're really busy, you crave the day where you can go, you know, Take a coffee with a friend of yours that you haven't seen in a while and like, you know, do a little casual reading. And I think I've kind of finally hit that point where I'm over that stuff. 
<laughs> right. and, and they've got plenty of work to do, but it's all about self-motivation and um, shifting from a hundred people all coming up to you and ask, needing something from you to generating that material yourself sometimes just takes a little bit of time to shift into. Yeah, well, it's tough because you're racing to the finish line. Like you said, you're dealing with a million people and you finally get there and you're so happy. And the next day you're like, damn, what am I going to do now? Yeah. No, one's, no one's calling me every second. <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's that, that natural adrenaline rush of the fun of directing and being on set. And, you know, you, you're constantly interacting with people and all of that. You know, you talk to 100 people a day and they all need something from you and you're pitching jokes and collaborating with all these people. And then all of a sudden you're alone in front of a laptop again, which is the thing that you were always missing. You know, I always say I, I thought I would spend more of my time in coffee shops. And now I spend all day in them, which is awesome. But it is a distinct shift. And so I have to be really mindful of staying disciplined with my schedule and not working too much and not working too little, um, making sure that I'm exercising and eating right and kind of all of that stuff that you kind of take for granted when you're working and on set, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's stressful to be between jobs because you don't even want to exercise because you're like, that's kind of a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't be calling people or coming up with sure. new ideas yeah. or generating work somehow. Yeah. Everyone wants work. And when they have it, they <laughs> wish they can finish it already. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I'm, I think probably by next week I'll, I'll be in a different phase for sure. Cool. Well, let's talk to Paul Briganti. So, Paul, um, yeah. you are kicking ass right now. You've got two television shows on the air and a, a couple bajillion internet views to your name. Um, yeah. But I'm sure people want to know uh, how you got started in filmmaking. Uh, yeah, I, I did go to film school. What school? I went to the, the School of Visual Arts. Oh, SVA, right? Yeah, it's in New York City. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a pretty cool school. It's, it is what you make of it, I guess, any film schools is that. It's kind of more of a pragmatic, you know, workers kind of film school. How did you find it? Like, were you, did you grow <laughs> up in New York? No, I grew up in Connecticut. I actually found it because I went to a different school for a year. I went to a school called Emanuel College in Boston. It's like a liberal arts school. And it was the only school I got into because I didn't do very well in high school. Because I was just very into filmmaking and like theater and stuff. And I just didn't do very well in high school so i applied to a bunch of schools and i got into one and that was manual college in boston and i hated it it was the worst it was just a bad experience you know what didn't you like about it i just didn't connect with anybody i think i was kind of a it was an uphill battle going in like i didn't i, didn't, I knew i wasn't gonna like it and i didn't like it and i really wanted to go to new york and i was bummed out that i didn't get to do it so just the for for like a year at a manual i just like worked really really hard to get out of there and I got like really good grades. I learned, you know, a lesson that you have to work hard to to achieve things, obviously. And then, uh, then I went to SVA in New York because a friend of mine was like applying there, and we were gonna go together. And then he couldn't go. And then I was like, oh fuck! Now I have to go to this ex new experience by myself. And then I did, and it was uh, an incredible thing. It was, it was like, like I'm so happy that I did it. So yeah, it was. I went there for two years, and I made shorts and stuff, and and. The reason why I left is because I started getting like editing work and like assistant editing work and stuff. And the whole mentality at SVA is like, you should be working, you know? So like if you get a job right. or something, then they're like kind of proud of you that you don't have to go to school anymore. So I kind of took that to heart yeah. and I was like, yeah, I'm getting a lot of work now. Uh, I'm not going to go to school anymore. And they were like, cool, that's good. And I just started working. Cool, and, and editing and stuff. And how'd you get that editing work? Like, just you started with friends and then yeah, I think referrals? when I was in college, I just did a bunch of work for my teachers and stuff because I really, really loved editing. It was my favorite thing to do, and it's still I still love it. I had a teacher who gave me a lot of work, and I thought, at, you know, at the time he was obviously like rip, rip, getting a great deal. Cause he was paying me like a hundred dollars or something. He was helping you out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was like paying me like a hundred bucks to like edit this like fashion uh, video that he probably got paid a lot more money to do. And I did, you know, I really liked it. And then he had me do a couple of their gigs and, and I don't know, I just like did a lot of Craigslist hustling for work and stuff when I was in college, did a lot of internships really took advantage of that. 
And then I just started editing for a bunch of different companies, like on a freelance basis. And then I did that for a while after I left school. And then I started doing more like reality show kind of stuff in New York. And, and at the same time, I was doing like UCB stuff. And I, and I didn't really want to do reality show editing for forever. And I was pretty young, so I could like do a lot of different things. So I um, basically started this like production company with these two friends of mine that I met at UCB. It was called Landline. And uh, we just made a ton of sketches together. And it sort of turned into like this weird business, you know? Yeah. Like, so you were doing sketches like that you guys were writing just for fun? Yeah. Like it was YouTube? Like, yeah, like, YouTube sketches. Yeah. Like videos that were like strategically topical and related to blogs and that that had a lot of viewers and stuff like that did we ever talk about so when i worked for adam.com oh yeah we yeah. hired you guys a little bit we never interfaced we like, might have i don't, I don't know I'm, I'm pretty sure not yeah there was one this was like our first deal actually that was yeah. like a huge deal for us it was like with adam.com for like five videos right for like like a lot of money something like twenty thousand dollars or like third yeah, between yeah. that to make like a couple of videos and we were like, oh my God, this is insane. <laughs> and we really made that money like work for a long time. And then we slowly, you know, turned it into a full-time thing as more deals started coming our way and, and popping up and stuff. And it turned into like a real business, which I never really saw coming. You guys just were at the right place at the right time of like, there were finally kind of places that were really doing things and everyone wanted to go viral. And I feel like there were a couple yeah. times where you guys had stuff that was certainly on my radar for sure. Yeah. I mean, we made a lot of stuff and then just like anything, not, not a lot of things go viral or sure. pop or whatever. But yeah, we were doing it for a really long time. And, you know, eventually we became more of like a like a branded content sort of production company. And so you were making money off of this yeah. business. Yeah, it was a full-time full job. Yeah, yeah. Like we all had jobs. Me and the two other guys had jobs. And then I think I was the first one to be like full-time for the company because I was an editor. Mm -hmm. So we all had like, we all were writers and then we all had our like real skill that we actually brought to the company. Like I was the editor, like person one of the guys name was Saj is the producer and the other guy was Jared was like the, the business person and then we were all writers so we did the writing was the fun part that was not our job in our minds and then we all had our like technical or, or you know right, right. serious day job skill and did you guys together. pay yourself for writing or was it like you just split we just like split months? split the money yeah but it was really wild I mean I was like 22 or something or 23 and it was like full-time yeah. making stuff which was awesome yeah it's it was really awesome cool. i think also it's nice that um you guys were so young that like stretching twenty five thousand dollars was yeah. feasible yeah <laughs> you know yeah like as they say your nut wasn't that big i imagine <laughs> right you know our no yeah definitely like our budgets for the videos were i mean and it's good that we started there because you know now i can't now i know how to be resourceful right. You know, if there's something for, you know, a bigger budget thing that we just can't get this shot on a train or whatever. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I think I know how to make it look like a train or something yeah. for really cheap. And let me bring in my old model train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just bring that in. Yeah. I did stuff for Adam film also. And it was like a weird time because, yeah, you would get like, well, OK, we're going to give you 20 grand of video and we're, we're going to buy three videos from you. Sixty thousand dollars or something. Man, and that's how much you made. <laughs> Damn it, we got so you, screwed. I do remember there was a time that we were like, of, "Oh man, Landline is gonna give us yeah. a bunch of videos for cheap." It's for so sure. fun. It's so funny because from our perspective, we were like, "Oh my god, we're getting five thousand dollars a video. This is amazing!" Like we were, we thought it was like sure. so much money, which is so funny. Well, yeah, it, but I mean, for us, it was. A, I, I mean, I know it's more money, but yeah, the thing is, like now, if I got twenty thousand dollars to make a video, I'd be like, ah. How am I going to squeeze that? But back then, we we yeah. would make the video for like five thousand dollars. Yeah, and then just my the, the guy I did it, it with yeah. made like twenty grand in like two months. Yeah, and then literally like a week sure. later, Adam films like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> how do we make yeah. money off of this? Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. that was the story with a lot of places that we worked with. You know, they were like, we need content. Like AOL was doing yeah, yeah. stuff, and they 
they gave us like a year contract, which was crazy. <laughs> and they gave us a like a pretty good deal. It was like four or five videos a month for like a year, and we that was like what that was like our main thing. Yeah, and we like got like a pretty big office in Brooklyn, and oh, like wow. it was uh, it was kind of hilarious, like how how much we were like. We built off yeah. of that. Well, for someone that's like listening right, right now, like I know we're talking about this, like, oh, those were the heydays of making videos yeah. on the internet. But I think nowadays it's just like that, except there's like a thousand times as many companies that are doing it. Yeah. But there are like different things too. Like there's there's now like other companies that are doing digital stuff that's like bigger budget, like YouTube yeah, is sure. doing like TV stuff. So there's actually more of like a middle ground, I think, yeah. between... Right. Like digital and TV, which is cool. But when you say like, oh, we got this deal from AOL for a year, we got this deal from Adam Film, yeah. like, what is someone nowadays that's getting started? How do they just get a deal? Because I think I have an idea, which is something that like when you're new, you're like afraid to do. But if you meet someone that works at Comedy Central, like, you know, on their Internet stuff, I feel like it's just totally acceptable to be like, oh, can I pitch you guys some stuff? Like, can I send you some ideas? Yeah. And it's something that yeah. when you have that company, you feel really comfortable doing. But Right. I would caution people to, you know, when, when you're out meeting people and getting to know people, you do want to make sure that you give a great first impression. You know, so if your reel isn't totally ready yet, then maybe you shouldn't go in and pitch too strongly. I, I certainly have been on the other side where I've seen people who were like, maybe it was the first time that they were in the room or just obviously very talented, but not there yet. But yeah. kind of maybe. Yeah, but you have to do that you, like you have 10 to times that. before you get <laughs> yeah, to sure. pitch. Yeah, and you might absolutely. be like, yeah. yeah, maybe they practiced on you or got learned how to pitch from you, but it's good because maybe they'll come back and pitch you something way better. Sure. I mean, I think the trick is still just shooting it, right, though? Like, if you have a killer video and that's your entryway into the rest of the business, that's, I think, still the way to go. I think, yeah, I think what I learned from that experience from doing Landline was to just really find people that you can collaborate with well and, and see eye to eye with and can build something with, you know, because I could not have done that on my own at all. And we just work together and kind of held on to each other at a really early age in our careers, I guess. And you guys probably were all bringing in projects separately. Yeah, sort of. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we weren't really bringing in projects. Like we just, our bringing in projects was like putting up videos. Like that was our like marketing, I, I suppose. And like if a video did really well, I'm sure as it happens with you guys, a bunch of people would just like reach out to us and be like, Hey, do that thing that you did that was really hard and do it for us. Right. And, and we're like, okay. <laughs> I think part of it also is like making sure that it is clear to people who are curious how to reach out to you. You know, like yeah. back in the day when I was at Adam, I would look for sketch groups all the time. And I couldn't tell you how many times I was trying my hardest to yeah. figure out how to reach out to someone through their agents or managers or just their website or whatever. Yeah. And you couldn't figure it out. And I'm sure that that's still the case for plenty of people, but that's, I think that's part of it for sure. Yeah. And I also think a lot of it is just like being around and being in LA and stuff and in New York and any place where other people who make things are hanging out. So when did you come to LA? So we were doing, we were doing stuff for kind of a while and getting more work, but I, I, uh, you know, I was like still pretty young and I, I wanted to try to do like more just like comedy stuff and like try to do TV or whatever, you know, and I saw myself moving more towards like just owning a business and sort of that becoming my life. So then Sam Reich from College Humor, he like knew about us and he called us and they were starting this like new company called Jest. And it was like an older skewing College Humor. So he called us and was like, hey, do you want to like run this thing called Jest, the three of you? We were like, yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was very into it because I was looking for a change at that time. I wanted to... I wanted to just like direct comedy videos. I didn't want to think about a business, you know, right. at that time. And so we moved over there and then I started directing for College Humor and then College Humor moved out to LA and I moved with them as like a full-time director. And yeah, and then I was there for here for about two years before they started working on these TV projects that they've like been doing now. Cause that's, that's why they came to LA to like make TV shows more aggressively. So um, for people who don't know, remind us, which are the two TV shows that you're working on right now? One of them is called Adam Ruins Everything. It's on True TV. And the other one is called Middle of the Night Show. And it's on MTV. And you're directing both of them? I'm directing half the episodes of each season and producing on them as well. 
and they're both from College Humor. They were like created in, by this company called Big Breakfast, which is like College Humor's production entity. So I went from like a staff director to to working on those shows. And do you write on them at all? Or I don't write scripts, but I'm like in the room and stuff and, you know, influencing that as, as much as they want me to, or as much as I can. Real quick, what's the logline for both of the shows? Okay, so there's one there's one that has like a very easy log line. So Middle Night Joe, I think, has a really yeah. strong log line. And not not that either show is better, it's just well, like it's, it's funny easier. Because I would think Adam ruins everything. The log line is the title. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's just a harder show to like visualize for people. Right. You just kinda have to see it, I feel, to to get it. Because it is kind of like a new format, Adam ruins everything. Middle Night Show also is kind of a new format. So Middle Night Show is it's in New York, and we break into a celebrity's apartment or hotel room, wake them up in the middle of the night, and force them to host a late-night talk show in their bedroom and on the streets of New York, semi-against their will. They just have to like go and do it, and they have no idea what we're going to do with them at all. Sort of like Billy on the Street meets like The Tonight Show or something. Like right, Jimmy yeah. Kimmel, yeah. Frank. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so do they sign a release form before you wake them up? No, they do it after we wake them up. But like, wait for real? I thought yeah, there was a rule, yeah. like a new law, that people have to sign release forms before you shoot them. Is that not true? I don't think so. I mean, their representation oh. is like on board and stuff. So like, they their representation knows what's going on, but they don't know what's going on. So like, I don't know, their publicist or something, their managers. Do they know that something might happen eventually no. at some point? No, no. Wait, for it's real? Offering. Yeah, for real. I thought yeah. I thought for sure that they knew it was coming. The in mid- wake some up? Sense. Yeah, the wake no, up. No, they have no idea. No, they think we're doing a show in the morning the next day. Oh, but they're, uh, so yeah, they yeah, do yeah, know there's a show. Oh, yeah, they think there's a show, but they think it's in the morning. So they're sleeping. You guys call it the middle of the morning show? For we the- just say it's like an MTV show. I think like it's basically like a pre- when their managers or publicists or agents right. want to prank them and think right. that they'll be cool with it, which they have been, which is cool. Has anyone um, gotten pissed? I mean, they're all just like, what? <laughs> they're not mad. They're just like, I mean, it's it's all been pretty cool because the second they wake up, people come in yeah and they're like hey this is fine we are fine with this you're okay with this it's gonna be fine and then they're fine and are they wearing clothes sometimes no thomas middleditch was naked in his bed <laughs> I, was trying to, I knew there was yeah. somebody who was naked yeah he was naked well um, and, and middleditch has worked with college humor a handful of times yeah did you know yeah. him already or no i've met him a couple times yeah, yeah. Are you the person that like wakes them up? Me and like the crew and stuff. It's like a it, band. There's like a band. Yeah, it's yeah. like super abrasive and like loud and scary. <laughs> there's like an announcer and like yeah. cue cards. Yeah, and, like, it's like a like, whole elaborate. Yeah. Thing. Oh wait, that you have cue cards for the person for them. Yeah, they're because doing they're, the they're monologue. hosting it. Yeah. 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 So, so there's like, no intro like tonight we're gonna. Yeah, yeah, we do intro that to the camera. Like outside of their apartment. And then who does the intro? Oh, this guy, Brian Murphy, who's like a college humor personality. He's like a a writer or performer at College Humor. Okay. He's like the real host, sort of. He like leads them through it. He's sort of like their Sherpa, I guess, through the night. He's like, here, read this cue card. Here, you're going to play this game. Do this, do that. And do they interview other people? Yeah, yeah. We have like other guests and games for them to play. And like, we basically hold their hand through the night of hosting this, this experience like each each guest has like different bits that they get guided into so yeah. like with Thomas middle that you go out onto the street and then you know you do your own version of you know taxi trivia or right, like yeah. a karaoke contest it's it's yeah. all late night tropes and but. so is everything already pre-lit or yeah well we we rehearse everything without the celebrity we have all locations like around the hotel everything's very close to the hotel because we only have like you know however long they're publicist says that we can do it with them which is honestly it's been longer than i've thought we could get people for like it's usually like four or five hours so you know there, there's this one thing we did with this rapper waka flock of flame i don't know sure. if yeah, yeah. he's yeah. really cool we did this like game called no hands basketball it's like on a basketball court where him and murph have to play basketball against each other but with no hands so they like just hit it with their head and so like the basketball cover is like all fully lit and everything and pretty right. we just bring them in to the thing and it's all set up by the time they get there and then you have just handheld cameras yeah we have three cameras and a bunch of gopros we shot on the amira the aria oh, yeah, sure, yeah which is awesome it's like it's like the doc cam yeah. it was great it like proved really well and like it's a good um 
I was very like, I think we're very lucky to shoot on that because it's like, I think it's easy to justify not shooting on a camera like that. Right. Um, oh, but, uh, the other way around, I feel like, right? Well, I well, feel like from sure. a financial Sony standpoint. Sony cameras. Sure yeah, that, exactly. Like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of times we had the conversation, you know, do we have to shoot on this camera? Right. <laughs> well, a good trick for listeners, at least from my experience, when they're like, oh, let's shoot on any camera but the Alexa, which is like the camera that you usually want to shoot on. There's almost always a way to convince them that because it shoots like ProRes files, yeah. you don't have to transcode. You save time. You're and saving post. so much money yeah. and time and all this stuff. Yeah, there is like there is a you know there's like the dirty words that are really funny to me, like with producers and stuff. I feel like Alexa is a dirty word. Jib is a dirty word. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Steadicam is a dirty word. Car flip. Confusing Project Greenlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that yeah. scene is like epitomizes every experience I've ever had on set. I'm very, I'm very much exaggerating and overgeneralizing, but when, yeah. when there's like 10 people telling you not to worry, it's going to look awesome. Yeah. It's That's never it going to look awesome. Yeah. That was something that was really interesting to me. He would have gotten that car flip if he let them win a couple yeah. of things. Yeah. And like, he's just like not a human to those people, you know? That was a sum of his his like bullishness that he did not get that car flip. And I think, I honestly think that they didn't want to give it to him because of that. I really, really? I think, I think there's if some he would have been, yeah. if yeah. he would have been giving up on all these other things, they would have not even given him the car accident at all. I think though in that situation, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, I feel like you go to the producer or something. You're just like, listen, you just explain yourself and you're like, this is why it's important. I, I don't know what to do. Maybe we can figure out a solution together and then like be more collaborative about it. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And I think like, and the only reason why so many things in that movie apparently suck, I haven't seen it, but it's, I think it's basically unwatchable. Like <laughs> really? I stopped. I love that show. Yeah. I love just it, love just it. a yeah. little bit of context. For our I'm going to watch If you it haven't tonight. seen Project Greenlight, there's a director that is, is very opinionated. He's a first time director and yeah. he ends up, you know, arguing with everyone and there's a scene where he wants this car to flip over and the producer says no we just don't have the budget for that we'll do a, a regular kind of straight on accident and it ends up being really disappointing tell me on your on the mtv show if you yeah. wanted to do a car flip and it wasn't planned like ahead of time is there anything you could say to the producer to get that yeah i mean i think there's i mean a lot of what i learned you know this summer this summer i did these two shows and it was a very awesome experience. I learned a ton, but I think the most important thing I learned was like how to, how to get that stuff and how to, how to include people on trying to get that stuff. You know, I don't know. I think if you just kind of level with people, sometimes they want to do that stuff and you, and you do push, but you like find different ways to push and, and just understanding that like, you're all trying to make the best thing possible. And I think if you explain yourself a little bit more, sometimes there's more compromise or there's more give and take than you realize. Like the the flip isn't isn't a great example, but you know the more that you're collaborating on, like you know he fought super hard to shoot on film because he yeah. really 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 wanted to shoot on film. Yeah. But like, was the DP a part of that conversation? You know, the other person who's responsible yeah. for the quality of the image. I saw that movie. Everything looks exactly. It looks bad, yeah. and it looks like it looks like a mirror. You know what I mean? Or it looks it looks like a looks worse. It would have been that. totally yeah. fine to right. shoot on one of those cameras. Right, right, right. Well, I thought because we've talked about this before. His rationale for wanting to shoot on film was: look, there's all these decisions that I'm finding you about the location, about the car flip, about this cast. But the only decision that is going to affect like every single frame of this movie yeah. is this one decision, and that, that's what I want. So I, I kind of respected him for that, even though yeah. I wouldn't care about film. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about actually Adam ruins everything, right? Yeah, because yeah. that show has a ton of moving parts, yeah. right? And there's a huge cast and a ton of different sets and and different gags. You're kind of constantly doing VFX or like there was yeah. some miniature work. There's all sorts of stuff. So I imagine that show is just filled with those conversations. Yeah, I mean, everyone on the first season of of Adam ruins everything was like really working so so hard to get as much as possible from every penny on that show. In my opinion, I think it looks a lot higher than the budget of the show. Yeah, there were a lot of compromises, but yeah, it was like all those conversations of like, how do we do this thing? Like, how do we shoot in an airport? Do we have to shoot in an airport? Can it be rewritten to shoot like in, in somewhere else? Sure. No. 
why and then like you go down this path of a solution you got nothing you go down this right. path of a solution do we change the you know do we change the this other act and it, it was all just like a you know puzzle thing did you and, shoot at the airport yeah <laughs> it was a studio it was, it's called like hollywood air or oh something. yeah yeah. Uh, yeah oh yeah. you shot that in la yeah 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 the admin's everything was in la just to give people a little bit of context, Adam Ruins Everything basically is about this guy, Adam Conover, who interjects himself into people's lives to explain why the thing that they like so much is, in fact, terrible for the environment or for the world at large or yeah. not so what they think So there was this sample clip online that was like such a perfect example of Adam Ruins Everything, which is these kids that are so proud of themselves from buying Tom's shoes. Yeah. Because, you know, when you buy Tom's shoes, they give a free pair of shoes to someone in Africa. Right. But then Adam comes and explains why that is actually really bad for Africa and the African yeah. cobblers. Yeah. And, right. <laughs> and and so what makes the show good, right, is that it's really just a guy explaining things yeah. that are kind of unpleasant, right? <laughs> so what makes it entertaining and fun is all of the attention that you pay to tone and yeah. style and blocking and flourish, right? So there's a yeah. ton of steady direction. Cam. Is what you're saying. Yeah, direction, exactly. Sure, <laughs> right, sure. But so the the point is though is that like what makes the show stand out is all of that stuff, and so it's an obvious thing to say, but that makes all of those conversations and all of that horse trading that we're talking about especially important because you yeah. can't compromise what makes the show yeah. good and stand out without it not being a good show. But when I watch that show, like I think in a weird way, this is a compliment to you, even though it's more about me, but I see it and I'm like, I would never be allowed to pull this off because like you could cut here and you could yeah. show this. Yeah. It's way better the way he, you guys have done it. But if I try to convince the DP and the right. producer that I want this, they'd be like, ah, you're going to spend 10 hours doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting show. Like, it's very unique. Not the type of show it is only, but, like, the way it came about. And and I think the reason why we're able to do that is because it came from a place of doing that already. It was, like, the right. precedent. So, so I was – the main reason why I directed the pilot of the show at all – is because I was assigned when I was working at College Humor to direct the first sketch of Adam Ruins. It wasn't even called that. It was called, like, Why Engagement Rings Are a Scam. And that week I just watched Citizen Kane for the first time. Uh, I only spent two years in film school, you know. So that's a funny time. connection to make, though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, there's a lot of fun choreography and yeah. like cool playing with like focus and stuff and like smooth kind of camera angles and stuff yeah, and how it'll turn like a close-up into an over-the-shoulder yeah shot and a exactly white shot exactly yeah so and and also like this the suit that he and stuff so just i i think looking back especially i was like very subconsciously influenced by that movie <laughs> uh and so a lot of it was just kind of done in like these these like kind of one-er things we didn't get too much coverage and 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 it sort of has evolved from there. We did two more episodes after that. One was about circumcision. The other one was about dog breeds. Wait, what was the circumcision one? It's bad for you? <laughs> well, it's not bad for you. It's just like the reason we do it is because this John Harvey Kellogg, the inventor of cornflakes, he was like this weird sex phobic freak. And he thought that circumcision um, prevented masturbation. So he he got a bunch of people to, to do circumcision. And that's like pretty much why we do it now well what about jewish and muslim people? oh yeah no that's like that's he says in the video and in the show that like besides jewish and muslim cultures they've been doing it for centuries but anyway so yeah and then it just kind of got more you know elaborate from there we were trying to like top ourselves especially because the video did super well the first time around we were like oh people are watching this let's like explore the the style and the tone of it more and then when we went to the pilot we got the pilot from from true tv they were a pilot we were like you know, we were figuring out how to how to make the show. And at one point it was like gonna be more of like unscripted style. Like we go to these like experts and there and see what they're doing. And Adam really did not want to do like you know, one of those like discover like a Mythbusters type of show. Right, right, right. Or even like a daily show interview. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like we were yeah, we we're gonna do some stuff like that. We we're gonna like travel places and like talk to these people. Because the main thing that he really wanted was like the credibility of the experts, and then I I don't know we oh yeah we watched the This American Life show on Showtime and like they kind of 
blurred that stuff a lot with like fiction and nonfiction. And we're like, oh, why don't we just do the videos, but like put experts in them and like right. have them fit our context rather than having to like fit the context of like a discovery, you know, Anthony Bourdain or whatever type right. show. Just like, yeah, so tell me what you're doing here, yeah. uh, you know. So then True TV, like they bought the the show that we already did. So it's very easy. It's it's not easy. It's just like you can argue that, you know, when you're when you're when someone's like, oh, why do we need a steady cam? You're like, well, True TV bought the show. They, you know, it looks right. like this. They want steady cams and stuff, which is true. And then, you know, they liked the pilot. They love they really liked it. So they ordered a series. So you can sort of use that precedent, I suppose. But yeah, if I was doing like anything else, right. Just like a series for the first time that didn't really call for that type of stuff, like these oneers and, and all that stuff, there'd be a lot more conversations that are harder to to justify. Yeah. And it's that thing. If you just like pitched this as a concept yeah. and you didn't have the proof of concept online yeah. with all of those numbers, which is part of what they're yeah. buying into, yeah. then you probably would have done it differently. Exactly. And that's, that's why it's, I said before, it's like a little hard. It doesn't really have much of a log line in my eyes. Like whenever I explain it to people, I get kind of like sheepish about it because it sounds like the sound of it is like, oh, so it's like Mythbusters, you know, like it's about this guy who's like explaining things, like debunking things. And they're like, oh, okay. And then you, and they're like, no, no, no. But it's like, you know, it's like cinematic and there's characters and there's like the season like has sort of an arc to it. But then like you already lost him, you know, it doesn't even right. matter. <laughs> I feel like it's entertaining, eyes. like Mythbusters is like that reality show entertainment where they're like pulling you. Like the voice or whatever, like, and the winner is, we'll tell you after this commercial yeah. break. Yeah. But I feel like your show is just like kind of giving us substance like the whole way through. It's not like yeah. editing tricks. It's no, a, it's yeah. the opposite. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Your teasers are typically like, I'm going to ruin this topic next, <laughs> Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And also something you said before about like doing that type of coverage and stuff. Like we've had a couple times where, you know, we've had like other, other directors on other episodes and like they get coverage or something and and i have to be like no don't do that like we don't need that like we don't have time for that like it start like the reason we do a lot of like what like long steady cam takes or stuff like that it originally was out of style and now it's out of style and necessity because the script is like 35 pages and we shoot four days so we can't get options there's no <laughs> there's no room for any kind of options and does that ever but you, you uh, know, like, it doesn't, like how, how does doesn't. the network, how do you deal with network notes? How do you deal with like fat episodes? Yeah, you know, there, like, that is a good point. Cause there, there are times like there was this episode that I directed about cars and like Adam just like hates cars. He just hates cars. And like, and, and he presents a pretty good case in it about like, you know, why we use cars, why they're just bad things. We spend so much money on them and, and our cities are designed around cars rather than the other way around. And Wait, is he, these are topics that Adam himself feels strongly about? Some of them are. Other ones are ones that the writers pitched, like a bunch yeah. of things. We have it researchers be, too. It can't just be like Adam doesn't like something. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, that, there has to be the, some substance to yeah, what they're ruining. Exactly. Right? <laughs> the one about cars was like, he's just like felt that and like done a bunch of research on himself. And like, especially for the first season, the writers were like, you know, it's his shit. They were like pulling from his like opinions and his like what he's done research on himself. But we did one about cars, like the, the whole third act of the episode. Something I really enjoyed is like him and these kids, because the whole, the whole episode is about this like 16 year old kid getting his first car and Adam's like in the dealership and he's like saying why dealerships are bad. And the second act is like why we drive cars, like what happened in history to make us all drive cars. And then the third act is Adam and this kid and this kid's friends just like joyriding at night. And it was my favorite like character act. Like it was, it was him with these kids and like, they're really weird dweebs and like, but they hate Adam cause they're like, <laughs> he's so annoying and he's like just shitting on their car. And I loved it. And, and the network like was like not that into it. Cause they were just like, they're just in a car for an entire act. So visually. And this is, it's all scripted stuff. Yeah. It's all scripted stuff. And like, you know, there's, were they really driving? No, we did um poor man's process. Oh, fun! I've never yeah. done that before. How is that? But it was, I like it. Yeah, but like transparent, or like you're trying to make it look real. Well, yeah, we're trying to make it look real. Yeah, so it was like our reference for that was like um the Big Lebowski, like oh, yeah, all yeah. the stuff in the Big Lebowski is poor man's process, 
and it looks really cool. Can we just say, give oh, a yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. Portman, <laughs> Portman's process is like you park the car and it's not moving and you cover it with like duvetine or black like curtains and then you just have a so bunch It's important of, to note that the, you can only do this for night driving. For night driving, yeah, yeah. And then, then you have a bunch of crew members standing on like ladders and stuff and like moving lights around the car to make it look like street lights or like passing or like there's like a headlight gag in the back with like two two lights. And it actually it's like pretty cool and like works pretty well and it creates the illusion of of nighttime driving. And in some cases I think it's like even even looks better. Than, right, you know, because actually you get it. to light it perfectly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And typically, like you can also just do it with green screen. Is kind of the other right, thing right. Do. That was but, that was what we were gonna do green screen, but then I, I that's the <laughs> the middle income man's yeah. process. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But I also like with green screen in cars. I never, I never can truly trust it because like you never know how it's gonna look until yeah. you're done. So yeah, so we shot this whole act in and in, in a car at night. And they were like, you know, it's it's just not the same show. Like the your, the camera's usually moving; it's usually brighter and in these different locations. So, and we didn't have anything, so we had to like just be creative. And we we're like, okay, we can put a lot of graphic overlays on on camera, like explaining what he's saying. We can put stock footage. Like, there's even like a couple shots of like a car driving in the daytime, like. <laughs> on a mountain or something i didn't vote for that but like you know that was like a solution that we did and like so yeah it went to answer your question yeah it can it can hurt us a little bit but honestly like sometimes i think it's good to to kind of put yourself in a corner because then it gives you like a little more power yeah and you kind of have a little more say in how you want it to look and obviously for you know a show that's like like more straightforward like broad city or something like they would be like so you didn't get like a close-up of their face saying this line like we're never working with you, you sure? ever again so if i was doing like a more straightforward show as like an episodic director i would obviously not work that way but this is it's just a very unique show you know and we we want you know things to be to be different and to i think that's so awesome I, I know dps absolutely hate this and i don't like to do it but when yeah. we're shooting like on the dragon or whatever to think you, you could crop, maybe crop yeah. build a little close-up or a we, camera move or we something. We do that, yeah, yeah. I do that a lot. Is that Mira 2K or 4K? We should, well, we should add them on a, a red dragon on oh, the, yeah. the Epic. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can do in, in post. We definitely, like, squeeze it out of what we shot. Sure. Yeah. Right. So you, you mentioned before um, that you got outvoted on the shot. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I guess it explained to me the power dynamic, right? Because you're yeah. you're a producer and director, yeah, right? Like yeah. you've been there since the beginning. Right? Yeah. So it's you, it's Adam, you've got a showrunner, and then you've got mm-hmm. the network. How, like, are they ever pissed at you for... The network or... Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they ever actually are. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who cares? Right? Yeah, no, I mean... I, I think they're very reasonable when you just like talk to them. You know, sometimes they send a bunch of notes and you're like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if we want it. And then like other people get nervous that we're not taking the notes. So, you know, then you just kind of get on the phone and you talk to them and they're all like, they just want the show to be as good as it can be too. So you're all like kind of figuring it out and like seeing eye to eye mm-hmm. or trying to as much as you can. But yeah, there there is, I mean, basically the dynamic for, it's different for every show I've I've learned in these past couple months. But like the dynamic in Adam is like the director does like their cut with the, the editor. And then after that, it goes to Adam and the showrunner and to the other producers like Big Breakfast and stuff. And then they all weigh in. But it's like, usually, I mean, it, after that, it's like Adam's show, you know, like he is in the room and he's like very hands on. And you just kind of collaborate with him and then whoever else wants to be a part of the process who is a producer. And then, and then after that, you give it to the network. And then after, after that gets the network, it's just like it's sort of like the, the editor's thing, you know, right. like they just are like implementing this and like really just trying to balance like all of the notes. Right. And they're actually really good at it. They're, they're really good at um, figuring out which ones are the ones that, that should get done. Right. And for the most part, after your director's cut, especially because there's not too many options, like it kind of stays mm-hmm. 90% to what you had it. Right. How many days do you get? It depends. 
the schedule for this season has been very, very, very tight. So I usually, I've been lucky or I've been getting like five days to edit it. But by the time I see it, it's already like sort of an assembly and, and stuff. And you have the visual effects done? Or yeah, anything? yeah. Like we try to do as much as we can before it gets to other producers or especially the network because you really want to show them like what you're thinking right. for certain things. Right. But yeah, it's interesting. It's like very different. It's a very different <laughs> world experience. And I think it's like, it's just, it's a different type of balance. Cause like I was just listening to your guys episode about commercial work and like, it seems very like a very different world, but still similar types of dynamics and stuff like that. You well, know? I was actually going to ask you about, because you know, I talked, about timing our takes to be like yeah. exactly seven seconds. Yeah. And on a show like Adam, when you don't do coverage, yeah. Yeah. How, do you guys time that stuff on set? No, no. We just kind of <laughs> we just kind of do it and cross our fingers, you know? Uh, for the most part, there's only been like two episodes that have been like way over and we've just been like, oh boy, what do we do here? And you figure it out and you cut it yeah. down. Do your commercial breaks have to hit on exact on a certain frame or are no, they flexible? Yeah. They're very flexible about that. It just just the the final runtime is is not negotiable. It has to be like 21 30 or something like yeah. that. Typically it's like your first act has to be you have like a minimum and a maximum, yeah. right? Like there are some rules in terms of just due to like the deals that the commercials have. Like you can't be like, oh, we've got a 30 second act and then we're doing another set of commercials. Right. Yeah, it needs to be like at least like yeah. four or five minutes yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but otherwise, if it's four minutes and two seconds, that's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I did that Lifetime movie, I was like shocked because I, I don't know, for some reason in my mind, it was always the a TV show has like a very, it's like seven minutes of show, yeah. a minute of commercial, seven minutes of, like I always thought it was like the set thing and they're like, Oh no, a TV movie is like eight acts. The first act is 20 minutes. The second act is 12 minutes. The third act is 10 wow. minutes. Wow. Through the seventh act, and so then the you... last act is eight minutes. And I yeah. was like, what? And then I found out that they were like totally right. So you, you had to hit those marks exactly? Well, in a TV wow. movie, there's eight acts. Yeah, the first one is 20 minutes. and But, but 20 minutes on the dot? Uh, no, yeah. around 20 minutes. But. You have to have the biggest thing that happens in your entire happen movie the first act. has to happen yeah, yeah. 20 minutes in yeah. because you need to bring people back from the commercial. Yeah. And then your your final act, the epilogue, is eight minutes, and it's supposed to, your credits, uh, at least for a lifetime, they have to be uh, cards. They can't be scrolling mm -hmm. so, because it's much easier to fast forward through them. <laughs> you know, you can show a credit for like four frames or something mm -hmm. if they're on different cards. Right. And then a lot of times we'll put them on half the screen while you're, the end of your movie, movie plays on half playing. the screen. Yeah, yeah. So you really aren't supposed to do anything too important in the last eight minutes. Was it a good experience? It was, it was, <laughs> it was definitely something I would do once. Yeah. They, they asked me to do another one you, right after. Oh, the really? Trip. Yeah. They, you said no. It was like, it's basically the exact same movie. I just, yeah, it. it's interesting too with that because, like, I'm sure there's at some point you were like, huh, oh, maybe, I mean, it's like another movie, but like, you know, I don't know about you, but like, in those situations, I like close my eyes and I see myself mm -hmm. as like a 60 year old man yep. who's directed 40 Lifetime movies. You know yep. what I mean? It's like, is this a path that I want to like go on? It's exactly the same moment that you had when you were like, I don't want to run a business, I want to be a director. Exactly. And when you said, I don't want to work in development. I want to be a director. Yeah, yeah. And I, I find myself doing that like every year. Like I'll get sucked <laughs> yeah. into something. Yeah. And even when it's like a good thing, like getting sucked yeah. into a good mm -hmm. thing, it's like getting sucked into anything. Well, that's why you get sucked into me. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. Because you're getting a paycheck. Yeah. It's something. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're getting a paycheck, but you're also like making movies. Like you're like a feature director. You yeah. Know? Like, Millions like, of people watch those movies. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. like, you know, you said it's like a probably under a million dollars, but like that's like a pretty... From my perspective, like for, yeah. you know, like a TV movie, it's a pretty good budget. Yeah. For a movie, the but. thing is, though, like what you had with Landline and what you had with like Squaresville, like this group of people that are really passionate about making something yeah. good is something you do not have on those. Like, yeah, my first movie, it's like we killed ourselves to make the poster and the website and right. the this and right. festivals and this. There wasn't even there's no website for the movie. There's no yeah. The yeah. poster only because it was like the cover of the European DVD or something. Like, were there were know. there times where you were like, "Oh, let's do this thing," and then they were just like, "Just chill out, chill yeah, out, man." I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was it like, went, "Let's why? show yeah. it to an audience, right?" That, because to me, that's like the best test. I love screening. Yeah, stuff people. yeah, me too. Yeah, and they're like, "No, we saw it. It's fine." <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. They're already prepping the next one. This kind of brings me to something that I wanted to ask you. So you've been doing the yes, stuff for perfect. College Humor yeah. Yeah, for yeah. years. 
you've done all these web videos and branded content and different things. So you've done these two TV shows. Like, yeah. can you ever imagine directing a college humor video? Yeah, definitely. Maybe not for a little while. I don't. I don't know. I think I just like. Lo- I, I like directing anything. I love filmmaking at all. So of course I would love to. I guess in the current time, I, I'm trying to like do things that are more in like TV and stuff. I'm trying to make a movie in like early next year. But yeah, I definitely. I would never say I don't want to do that because I don't know. I like doing them a lot. Those videos, like I did them for a long time and I was never sick of them. I, yeah, I, I think that's the thing. It's like, I don't not want to do those. I just want to do this stuff more for now, for now on, you know? Right. But you're probably in a situation where you only have so much time. So you have to. Right, right, right. Decide, yeah. No, are you going to pitch a TV show or are you right. going to. Yeah, yeah. Definitely for now. I think it's like the sort of plan that I have is to like pitch shows and, and, um, try to direct on shows and then you know if one of these shows gets a second season i would love to work on them too and then try to make a movie just like a really small indie movie because i feel like my feature film biological clock is kind of ticking and i like really just want to just want to make a movie you know like you've done it before and and you know have have you made a movie not yet but you made like a ton of you made like a really long web series yeah i did those two web series feature like length sort of when you cut it all down and shitty boyfriends is right right. yeah yeah. as well yeah so i i guess i have to with these shows like i like all together it's like a bunch of whatever but i just want to make a movie and then do other like tv work and stuff like that but no yeah i I think like um i'm kind of excited because honestly this is like since before our landline and like when I was like 22, this is the first after these shows be the first time I like don't have like a full time kind of thing. So I'm really excited about it. You know, I'm excited to like be a little more like in your guys world of just <laughs> just, just nothing all day. Just, just scheduling coffees. <laughs> Dude, just waking up. I heard cold this, sweat. <laughs> yeah, I heard this great interview with Woody Allen years ago. Lying to your parents. <laughs> yeah, where he's like, uh, you know, I'll, I'm just working every year. I make a movie every year. I'm writing stuff. I'm always doing this. I'm always, always editing. Always in the room. Always writing scripts. Like I just wish I could have like a day off so I can just play the clarinet. You know, watch a, a sports yeah. game, have some coffee with like some friends or whatever. He's like, and then once in a while. That happens, and I get that, and I'm like, oh, this is really nice. You know, I'm just going to hang out with my family. I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to grab some coffee. I'm going to, you know, just walk around town. And then it's like the second day, and I'm like, you know, I'll have some coffee again. I'm, <laughs> you know, going to see the Empire State Building, okay? And, and then by the third day, I'm like going absolutely nuts, yeah, and I need yeah, a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. where I am right now, actually. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I could like vomit right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the personality of like – an ambitious director does not do well with vacation time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very like my um, grandparents are like sort of depression type of people. Like they grew up during the depression. Yeah. Yeah. They've had like some, some hard times and they sort of had to like build themselves up. So I have that anxiety in me. Absolutely. And like that concern, like if I'm not doing, if I'm not working, I'm not like, Ah, uh, this is cool. I'm just like, oh God, what? Are, I got to do something and like figure something out because uh, I'm never gonna get work again. That kind of thing. I think there's also that thing of you know when you tell your parents that uh, you're gonna be a filmmaker, they're in best case scenario they're very supportive, but they're always a little worried. You know that. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So I think that seed is planted early of like this isn't a great idea for stability. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, it has a lot to do with just the demand of people here and like how good you are, and who, you know. So it is very like very unstable because. You know, you're not like a, an accountant or a doctor or something right. where everyone needs that or they'll go to jail or die. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not saving anyone's life by doing it. So the demand well, is like, I mean, you're not saving them everyone's life, but I mean, probably entertainment is like one of our biggest exports in America. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're, you are influencing the world. Um, yeah. And with a show like Adam <laughs> Ruins Everything, you are educating sure. people. No, totally. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I I mean I love what I do. I'm just like, you know, yeah. 
Sure, doctors do some good stuff, okay? (laughs) But they do some bad stuff, too. Yeah, they do bad stuff. That's true. I I guess maybe for listeners at home, because we're kind of in three different stages of freelance directing, Mm. um, you know, I think it gets easier for people, for sure. I think I'm kind of in the middle of, of the two of you. I've been doing it for a while. But it always, you know, it's always ups and downs, just like anything yeah. else, you know. And I think just learning to weather that is is good. And um, but you, do you want to be like working full time anywhere? Or? No, no. I I think that there are a lot of really cool opportunities out there. And I think having been on the other side of the fence, where I was day in and day out going to a really really cool place, yeah, and working with awesome people and being inspired all the time, it it still it just got under my skin that I wasn't out in the field doing things. And yeah. so I think I guess I just have a real bad case of FOMO, you know, like I'm always oh, worried about like not Me too, big you time. know. Yeah. 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 Well, there's no famous director that you can name that has a full-time job, right? Yeah. Like you, we I don't want so, yeah. we don't want well, full time jobs. We just want to be offered like ten cool awesome stuff, jobs yeah. and choose the best one. Yeah, yeah. Or but. just do all ten awesome jobs at the same time. <laughs> that that does not work. I can tell you from experience. That you are doing two TV well shows. Right oh, now. that is true. Yeah, yeah. And one of them is in New York. One of them is in yeah. New York. Yeah, there was there was like one time because like before I started working so. I directed the sizzle reel, which is like a short trailer for a show. I directed that for the MTV show for Miller night show. And then the, the sketch for Adam Rins, everything I directed as well. And then they sort of both like developed parallel to each other at the same time. And there definitely were conversations with Sam Reich and John Cohen, the like two of the EPs in the show where they were just like, you can't do these two shows at the same time. Like you just can't do it. It's not not that we don't want you to do it, but like it's kind of a bad idea. I'm really impressed <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, there definitely were those. Uh, you know, no offense. Was, like a, no, you know. no, no, definitely. Like they weren't even just like you can't do it. They were like, um, we're worried for you <laughs> to do this, and uh, ultimately it worked out. Did the production well, schedules overlap? Yeah, everything overlapped. Everything. So like really? the writing of it, the the post, the production, the everything. Like they were, especially like early on, there were like calls that have to be on and then I'd have to hang up that and then go to a, there, it was definitely like a critical mass period for like a month. You were like pitching that you'd, you'd do the midnight show with Adam Conover, like every episode. Actually I did. I did. I was very like proud of myself. Like I think only once I like entered a meeting and thought it was for the other show. <laughs> Because a lot of the same like producers, yeah, we're like a lot of the same like EPs and stuff are on both shows. So, so like halfway through the meeting, just like in my head, I was like, oh, okay, this is for the other show. Okay, cool, and like just keep going. Uh, <laughs> but like you know, it was fine, and like I I did a good job, like like uh, with the circumstances, you know, being in New York and prepping another show. I'm very proud of of that. But I but there definitely was a time where I was like I felt really really overworked just like my my i was exhausted just mentally and and let me ask you because i think we're pretty similar in terms of anxiety levels yeah for the flip side for me is that i i love it when i'm overworked right oh, like yeah, there's something yeah. like no, really yeah. like like egotistical and maniacal yeah. about like that's why i wanted to do it fucking best yeah. Right? yeah yeah I, I was definitely like i'm i can do this like give me the challenge i can do it and i did it and I did a good job, but like it was really, really, really hard. It's crazy. That's the best. Let, let me ask you: <laughs> when somebody that you don't know that well, or like kind of like a friend that you haven't talked to for a while, is like, "Hey, you know, it's my birthday. Let's go out for a drink," or um, you know, "Hey, let, hey, Paul, let's grab a coffee." And it's in the middle of this thing. Do you say like, "Hey, I'm a little busy right now," or do you go like, "Look, I have a shoot tomorrow." I'm prepping the next day. I'm flying to LA the day after that. I'm going to a wedding the day after that. Do you give them like the whole? No, no, not at all. I don't say all that stuff because that's like I don't. I think I'm just like I'm sorry. I'm in. I'm just in the middle of it right now, and and I really wish I could. Uh, but yeah. Well, that's the other part of the freelance, like the slow part, right? Yeah. I'm definitely like reaching out to friends who I haven't seen in a while because yeah. I couldn't for the last six months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Know? So there that's is actually, more. Yeah, that's something I'm seeing now. I'm like finally getting dinner with like people that I wasn't able to really see, and like it's it's great. Yeah. Cool. So uh, now I think it's time for unpaid endorsements. <laughs> yeah. Paul. <laughs> 
do you have a recommendation for our listeners at home? Yeah, I've been watching this show called Red Oaks. Have you seen this show? No, no. You haven't seen it? It's really, really, really good. Cool. It's on Amazon. It's an Amazon original. Mm. And um, I think the first couple episodes were directed by David Gordon Green. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's 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 like a period series in the 80s, and it's about this kid who works at a uh, country club. And he's like a tennis pro at a country club. And he's just like this kid. He's like hanging out in the 80s, and it's a really, really good. Like the the reason I watch it and I recommend it is because the tone of it is just incredible. And it's very much like in line with what I would really want to strive to do. It's like a perfect comedy drama that's just like beautiful. And, and the colors are very, very pretty in it. And it's um, just so specific. And it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it's very like, it's kind of like Freaks and Geeks-ish. Cool, man. Yeah, it's a really, really good show. Really funny. Good Red show. Oak on Amazon Prime. Red Oaks, yeah. Red on Oaks. Amazon Prime. Cool. Well, uh, my endorsement for this week is, uh, have you guys seen that show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yes. It's, it's great. great. It's, it's awesome. so good. It's really good. The marketing is real, real bad. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I be, it, or rather, Wait, let, me, let, me, and let, stuff? Me, let me rephrase it. I think the marketing is misleading. Right, because you you got the title Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and then the the you know you see that Rachel Bloom is in the show and she's holding the balloon, mm-hmm. and it's all I don't, in Los Angeles. The billboard is everywhere. Yeah, and oh, I I saw it and like you know out of the corner of my eye, and Shitty Boyfriends actually is like a sister show to that show somehow. They're, oh. they're like cross promotion or something. I don't know exactly. All of our advertisement is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, so I saw it all the time. And I was like, what is this show? What is this show? What is this show? Yeah. And so finally I watched it on Hulu, and it's so much smarter and funnier and weirder and darker than you think it's going <laughs> to yeah, be it's based off weird. of that marketing. Yeah. So I totally recommend it. It's really funny. It's really weird. Give it a shot. The title is meant to be sarcastic and ironic, and that doesn't totally come across in the marketing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So sorry, marketers. It's okay. That was a a backhanded endorsement, I feel. It's a great show. (laughs) Great show. I'll say one thing about it. My mom (laughs) is like really into musical theater and stuff. And but I normally wouldn't recommend like a relationship comedy to her, Mm -hmm. network comedy. But because this show is like so musical and fun and big, I don't know. It seems like it there's something for it also for everyone. So I love novelty music of all sorts. But the music in this show, the jokes are really, really strong. Like like really hard laugh out loud jokes funny and jokes in the songs. In the yeah. songs which is a, a feat. Like even Flight of the Concord. She's really good at that. Yeah. Just like yeah, those yeah. little throwaway things that are yeah. just like, oh that's a really funny so clever. line that could have just been it not could, yeah. a joke. It know? would have been a funny joke as dialogue, yeah. but then it also rhymes and is in <laughs> yeah. the correct meter at the same time. It yeah. just blows my mind. It's pretty so brilliant, awesome. yeah. And if you guys want to hear a little bit about the writing of that show, both the Script Notes podcast sure. and the Nerdist Writers panel have interviewed Elaine Brosh McKenna about how yeah. they write those songs and stuff. And That's right. It's really good. Okay, so for my, I'm sorry, I'm I'm giving bad endorsements, like super obvious ones. <laughs> it's like, hey, you should get an iPhone. Google, awesome. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's this YouTube channel. I'm sure you guys all know about it, but it's called Film Riot, and I just find that every yeah. time I'm trying to do like a quick fix, uh, like you know, Paul, earlier on, you were like, oh, how do I shoot a train without getting a train? Yeah. Like whenever, like half the times I Google something, like how can I make someone's head explode or whatever, a Film Riot video comes up. And um, they just, you know, it's this guy, I forget his name, but he just gives really it's good been, tips. They've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. I think good. it's through Epics or I forget who makes it, but check it out. Film yeah. Riot on YouTube. Like every, they put out stuff every week and it, it's like most YouTube channels. It's like 10 times better now than it was like five years ago. Yeah. Where it was like really like kind of backyard effects now it's just like kind of really well thought out so uh, film right check it out film, film <laughs> the backyard effects they did the tutorial on like a diy version of face melting from raiders of the oh, lost Ark. cool that's really really cool yeah and then i remember hearing their sarah silverman program wanted to do a face melting joke where it's the episode where sarah has been just getting abortions like crazy like you find out that she's had like 16 abortions which is just so funny and then there's a joke where the doctor looks at her vagina and like the ark of the covenant it melts people's faces and so the director rob schraub who's fucking amazing 
had this idea. You wanted to do that joke. And the, everyone in the production was like, no, it's going to cost you $3,000 yeah. to do this thing, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. He looked up the tutorial on the video nice. and then did it himself. He, like, melted down crayons and, like, cast a, a plaster mold and then did a stop-motion hair dryer green screen oh, shot. Very and cool. that's the shot in the show. That's so, awesome. So yeah. even if you're big and fancy, you can still check out like sites like Film Riot and learn something that you can use on your basic cable television program. So, uh, Paul, how can people find you? Do you have I, an online presence? I, By the way, <laughs> we were going to talk about Reels, but we ran out of time. But you, if you it's just cool. Google Paul Briganti Reel, you'll be in for a real treat. Real good. Thank you. Yeah, I guess you can just Google me. Or I might have a website, pauljbriganti.com. Are you on Twitter? Yeah, it's Paul Briganti. And same with Instagram. I like Instagram more. I love it. It's the best. It is the best. If you're going to just choose one to follow me, choose Instagram. There you go. Because I care more. Well, say someone wants to follow you on Twitter, or and where do they follow you? Well, naturally, you can follow me at Smitey Pileg. And me at Mr. Matt Enlow. You can follow the podcast at Just Shoot It Pod, and also visit us at JustShootItPodcast.com. And if you have a question that uh, you want to have played on the air, give us a phone call at 2626-SHOOT1. Operators are standing by. <laughs> well, uh, thanks to Eric for editing this podcast. <laughs> Eric Cripo. I yes. think we said it right. And sorry, Eric. Thank you, Steve Combs, for the music. So everyone was like super worried that like the chicken looks right. green. Someone white. Someone's wife calling. Uh, no, that's my go to bed alarm. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. Oh my goodness! At eleven twenty-seven. Yeah, random. I'm I'm a, a early bird. Okay. I like to wake up early, before the sun rises.